Numbers chapter number 11. Now, if there's any PETA people out there, the ho- it's a joke. There's, the horse is still alive. The horse is healthy. It's a joke, all right? I know somebody's going to say, I killed the horse. <clears throat> Numbers chapter number 11 and verse number one. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Let's just stop there. When the people complained, it what? Displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts. And the people cried unto Moses. I I would too if I saw that. And when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of that place Tibera because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. We're going to continue our series this evening. I believe this is our sixth week on this series of overcoming. We looked at overcoming depression. We looked at overcoming uh, in your marriage, overcoming uh, sexual addictions and addictions. We looked at overcoming fear. Uh, Tonight, we're going to look at this topic of overcoming negativity. How many of you have ever been negative in your life? Never. Never. How many of you? (laughs) That's one. No, I I think he's on two. I think he's on two. And your wife probably carries, so you'd be careful if I were you. We, um, people are, people can be negative. I want you to think about your day to day. Is there any part of your day that you were negative? It displeased the Lord. Negativity. And criticism, having a critical spirit, is displeasing to the Lord. And look with me in the very next chapter. So let me ask you this. If you complained and you saw the fire from heaven come down and consume people, how long would it take you to be negative? One chapter. One chapter. 11 to 12 We find Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And and the Lord heard it. He heard this. I want you to write this down. Negativity is a sin. Negativity is a sin. Now, sometimes we make excuses for it and we, we justify our behavior because we're not being negative, I'm just being constructive. But the reality is this, negativity is sin. There's no place in the Bible where you're going to find a negative spirit and God says, I'm going to put my spirit upon you. What you do find in the Word of God, when you look at someone that's negative in their spirit, critical in their spirit, you find where it's displeasing to the Lord. And and if we're going to overcome something, like we have every week and every topic matter we've looked at, what we've saw is this. You've got to see, first of all, it's a problem. You'll never fix it unless there's a crisis. You've got to see that a critical, negative, uh, uh, um, uh, complaining spirit is a sin. I want you to... Look at these definitions. Complaining. I'm going to look at three definitions here to start our study off tonight. Complaining. How many of you have ever complained? Yeah. Complaining. 
Complaining is this, to express dissatisfaction with a circumstance that is not wrong and about which I am doing nothing myself to correct. Complaining is I'm expressing dissatisfaction with a circumstance. And it's not that the circumstance is wrong. It's just I'm dissatisfied with it. But I'm going to do nothing, nothing to correct the situation. And if we're not careful, we can be very, we can be very uh, spirit of complaining where we're not attempting to fix anything. We just want to voice our opinion about something. We, it just feels good to insert what we want in a situation that we're not willing to do anything about. We just want to complain. Complaining. Uh, next is criticism. What is criticism? Criticism would be this, to dwell on the perceived faults of another with no view or action for their good. It's to, to dwell on the perceived faults of another with no view or action for their good. I'm not bringing this out to bring something positive out of you. I'm just simply pointing out your faults. If it hurts you, it hurts you. I don't care. My my purpose of this is I'm going to just beat you up and dwell on this perceived fault. And I'm not doing this so that something good comes out of it. I'm doing this because I'm critical. I'm critical. Negativity. So complaining, criticism, negativity. The definition of negativity. And you need these or you're not going to get this evening. Negativity is this faithless, loveless, destructive words about people or a situation that only ventilate my flesh. Let me say this again. It's faithless. It's loveless. Negativity is faithless. It's loveless. It's destructive words about people or a situation that only ventilates my flesh. It felt good to say what I just said. I feel better now. I, 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 I spewed venom. I said things I know weren't good. I, 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 it, there was nothing about faith. There was nothing about love. I know these words were destructive, but I feel better now because I got it out. How many of you have ever done that? Just raise, ever, just raise your hand to everything I ask you tonight, okay? That's, it's just reality. Not everybody, not everybody deals with depression. Not everybody deals with, with marriage issues. Not everybody deals with sexual sin. Everybody deals with fear, and everybody deals with negativity. You say you're being negative. No, I'm not being negative. It's just reality. Everybody deals with negativity because we're human. We're human. It's part of our, it's part of our DNA. It's who we are. And faithless, loveless, destructive words about people or situations that only ventilate my flesh. And I want you to write this down in your heart. Write this down in a place that you see it. And I pray the Holy Spirit of God puts this in front of your mind. Every time you begin to be negative, God isn't pleased with negativity. He's not pleased with it. There's nothing spiritual about it. There's nothing godly about it. There's nothing righteous about it. It's sin. And God is not pleased with a negative, critical spirit. So negativity is sin. Number two, I want you to write this down. You say, boy, we're just getting started. It's 
7.30, and I'm on point number two already. I have 16 points. No, I'm just kidding. I only have three. <laughs> number two, write this down. God hears our negativity. My daughter, Chloe, was complaining about something. I think the story goes, she was in the back of the van, and she's complaining about something. And my wife says, I, uh, or what did you say? And she says, or got on her for saying it, and she said, oh, you heard me? You heard me? And my thought is this, you know, here we have someone that, that she doesn't, she, she, she has never, she's never, ever, ever paid the mortgage. As far as I know, she's never bought her own clothes. She's never bought her own food. She hasn't even, I don't think yet, combed her own hair. I don't think that she is, she, she has purchased her own bed. I don't think she's ever paid a bill. She's never gone to the food store and had to purchase anything that we bought. The, the girl has had everything given to her, yet she was complaining and critical because she didn't get her way. We as humans, that's how we get. But I want you to know this. God hears our negativity. Look with me again in Numbers chapter number 11. In verse number 1, the Bible says, about the uh, second sentence there, so the second part of the first sentence, and the Lord heard it. Would you mark that down? The Lord heard it. The people complained. It displeased the Lord. The Lord heard it. In chapter number 12, verse number one, again, or verse number two, look with me there. In chapter 12, verse number two, and they said, hath, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And what's the Bible say? And the Lord, what? He heard it. He hears this. Look with me in back to chapter number 11, verse number four. In the mixed multitude, and what does that mean, the mixed multitude? These are um, uh, other, other uh, uh, people besides the Israelites that the Israelites married maybe while they were in, in uh, uh, Egypt there or as they were coming out. But there was a mixed multitude there that was with them, and they fell a-lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Think about this. We remember fish, which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the, and the garlic. You'd think they came out of Italy. No, it was Egypt that they... We remember all of these things. And, and you know what's interesting with this? If we go back and remember, remember we studied Ex, the book of Exodus. And when they were coming out, it was their cry that got God's attention where he delivered them out of Egypt. The Bible says he heard their cry. They were, they were crying and praying, Lord, get us out of this place of slavery. Some maybe two million or so people were there, and they were slaves. They didn't live in palaces. They were slaves. It, it was the Egyptian king that said, we're going to go and, and we're going to take every baby boy that's born, and we're going to kill every baby boy that's born. It's the same Egypt where, where the Pharaoh said that we are going to make your task even harder. Matter of fact, we're not going to give you the, the, the straw to make these bricks anymore. Go, go get that yourself. Matter of fact, we're going to make it worse. You are going to have to make twice as many bricks going to get your own straw. This was the Egypt that they were just crying in tears over. This same Egypt was when Moses, remember as he got older, he saw this Pharaoh taskmaster or, or, or the Egyptian taskmaster um, beating in Egypt. Uh, an Israelite. And now they're saying it was better there because it had cucumbers and fish. 
God delivered them out of that. And what's their complaint? Is we, we had all of these good things in, in Egypt, but now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna. You think about the, the miracle that manna is. Fish, they'd have to go catch it. Cucumbers, they'd have to grow it. All of the things that they say they had, none of it was delivered to their doorstep every single morning. None of those things had all of the total nutrients in them and the nourishment in them that God wanted to keep them sustained in the wilderness while they were there. But here this man is, and they're, they're starting to complain. They're negative about the provisions that God's given them. Now we think about that. Have we ever been t- negative about the provisions that God's given to us? But I want you to know this. When you are, God hears this. God hears our negativity. And, and, and let's just be honest and get this straight this evening. Being in bondage in a slave is not better than being in the wilderness under God's protection, under God's provision, eating manna. But this is what happens. Look with me in verse number 13 of this same chapter. When should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, give us flesh that we may eat. I want you to write this down, number three. Negativity distorts reality. Negativity distorts reality. God is going to provide. He's going to give the provisions that are needed. We know quail comes and he gives them this meat that they're asking for. But negativity, it distorts reality. And please hear me here. Remember, we, we keep talking about lenses that we see through. How we see life and how we view things, it affects, it affects our spirit and our attitude. Negativity distorts what's real. Let me ask you this. Were the people of Israel better off in Egypt or right where they were? Answer that. Go ahead. Where they were. Are you better off back in bondage or where God has you? Where God has you. But yet... Negativity can cause us to begin to question and, and, and complain and feel like we are not getting what we deserve. And I want you to see in verse number one this, this, uh, of chapter 12, this negativity, how it distorts reality. Miriam and Aaron, they spake against Moses because of this Ethiopian woman. But the reality is this, the wife wasn't the problem. They weren't upset because he married an Ethiopian woman. What were they upset about? Verse number two, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? They were challenging Moses' authority. They were just looking at something to complain about. They were looking at something to be critical about. They were looking at who Moses married and say, look look at Moses, You, you married an Ethiopian woman. That wasn't what their issue was. Their issue was simply this. Moses, we don't like your authority. We want some ourselves. We we hear from God. 
And the Bible says God heard it. Now, the Bible says in verse number three, the, the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. Now, when the Bible says he was above all men which were upon the face of the earth, that means that there was nobody else more meek than him. He was a humble man. Moses was not abusing his authority. Moses was not a dictator here. But Miriam and Aaron, because their spirit was bad, because their heart was negative, because they were viewing reality and it was distorted because of their negativeness, they began to view leadership and view the situation wrong. In Psalm, look with me in Psalm 141, if you would please. Psalm 141. I like this verse. Psalm 141, verse 2 says this, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. Let my prayer be set, be set be, uh, forth before thee as incense. That is a sweet-smelling aroma. What God wants to hear, God hears negativity. You hear me? God hears your negativity. What he wants to hear is your prayer, your praise. That is something sweet and smell. That incense, that's something sweet. This, this morning, I got up and my, my wife is, is uh, um, she's been staying in a hotel the last few nights. And, and, um, and so she has some friends over. Um, she's doing a little refresher. These, these ladies here, they're, they're pastor wives that have, have come from uh, different areas, and they're just doing a little refresher for some pastor's wives. So my wife hasn't been there, so I've been playing mom and dad um, all week long. That's where you, f- you feel sorry for me. I- I'm not complaining or anything. I'm not being negative. But today was picture day at school. I was nervous. I got four girls. And so I set my alarm early. I had it all. I mean, I was ready for this challenge. I wanted to show my wife. I didn't need her. No, I wanted to show my wife that I could do this. And so, like clockwork, our, our dog, our puppy, is, is, is on, a, on a time and, and, and not supposed to be in the bed, but she was on the bed for some reason, and she jumped off the bed, and I knew she was ready to go out, and so I let her outside. Well, about three days ago, my wife said to me, or last week, she said, hey, there was a skunk in her backyard. I said, oh, it was just probably passing through on its way down south or something. And so I went, I, I let the dog out. I, I was still dark out. I went, I put, I put food in a bowl. I, I Jacob's up already and, and had six miles run in already. And, and I said, are the girls up? And as I said, are the girls up? I went, but... Did you shower today? He said, oh, Dad, that's a skunk. <laughs> and I, we ran to the back, and, and sure enough, our dog lost a battle with a skunk. And, I, and I, let her, I let her in the back door, and she walked over to her food, and Jacob went down and sniffed her. He said, oh, Dad, this is bad. This is bad. He said, the whole house stinks, Dad. Kaylee's upstairs. I went upstairs and said, Kaylee, she said, Dad, it smells. I said, don't tell your mother. This is bad. This is bad. And so we're on the internet early this morning, like how to get rid of skunk smell on your dog. And 
And, and, and we, <laughs> we were lighting candles and, and, and diffusers are going off. And, and I mean, we had, we had oils and we're just putting oils. Oh, that's one, that one's good. And I mean, we had lemon, spearmint, peppermint, thieves. I mean, you, we, we just, it was, it was ugly. It was even worse than the skunk. But it was horrible. The smell was horrible. And I said this to my kids, we got to get rid of this spell before mom comes home. She's going to die. And then she's going to kill us first. We got to get rid of this smell. Listen, I love my wife and I don't want my wife coming home to something that stinks. I want her to come home to thieves and lemongrass fuming in the air. Listen to me. I'm being very serious. The Lord just uses Lau's skunks in my backyard for, for sermon illustrations. <laughs> Wait till we talk about it next week. I don't want to think about it. <clears throat> but it stunk so bad, I did not want someone that I love smelling it. And that is exactly what your negative spirit smells like to God. It repulses him. You don't say, Jacob got to school and he said, Dad, when I bent over and I sniffed the dog, I think that skunk oils got on my nose hairs. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm smelling the skunk all day. One of our kids said, Dad, I opened my lunchbox up and it smelled like skunk today. He got over everything. And someone so kindly wrote to me and said, it will always be on your stuff for weeks. And I thought to myself, this stench, I wanted to stay away from someone that I love so much, but that's what God smells. Prayers and praise is, is incense, the Bible says in Psalm 141, and, and let my prayers be set forth before thee as incense in the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. That is what's pleasing to God. That's what God desires from us. That's what God, when he smells that, when he sees that, when he hears our prayers and our praise, it's incense to him. It's a beautiful smell. When he gets to that place where it's negativity, it's a stench that he does not desire. And listen to me this evening. God deserves our sweet-smelling aroma. Why would we offer him anything less? Why would you give God anything less than something beautiful to, uh, to smell? Why, why would we do this? I don't think we realize just how negative we can be. Now, hear me. I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to us, you, individuals tonight. I don't think that we realize how negative we can really be. I don't think we realize how faithless our words are to people. I don't think that we realize how loveless our words can be or, or realize how destructive our words can be. You ever get around someone that... They're just negative, and you can't wait to get away. You can't wait to stop hearing this. And if, if our words are full of faith, if our words are full of love, if our words are full uh, um, and, and don't build people up, then our negativity is a stench to God. 
And really tonight, church, if, if, if you don't see that, you won't see the problem with negativity. And if you don't see the problem with negativity, you'll never change. It's sin, and God hears it, and it stinks. And that in itself, for a child of God, we ought to say, I'm going to stop. I want you to write these down. These are five, five logs on the negativity fire. How do I keep a negativity fire burning? These are logs. You ever go to a fire and it's starting to dwindle down a little bit? What do you do? You throw some logs on it. For what reason? To get that thing heated up. I'll tell you this. Number one is this, a critical eye. A critical eye. We don't have to have an opinion about everything. But we do. And we call it constructive criticism. But a critical eye is, is an eye that constantly sees the negative. If you're bent to where all you see is the negative about everybody and everything, then, then, then you have a negative spirit. I, I appreciate um, our church allowing me this month. I've been, uh, this month I was at a couple different places. I went to one church to help a church. They were um, without a pastor and they're searching. And, and so they asked if I would come and, and I helped look through some resumes and I sat with their pulpit committee and kind of helped them what to look for and preach for them to try to encourage them all day long. This past weekend I was away and, the pastor asked me to come. He's battling with depression. He's battling with depression in such a way where there was many episodes of where he just felt like taking his life was the best thing to do. This pastor. And so it's caused issues with his staff. It's caused issues with some, some, some uh, church. And, and so he asked me to come. And so I met with his staff. I met with his wife. I met with, with um, uh, those that, his staff wives try to work through and try to help them with some things. I preach to his church all day Sunday, encourage them to stay with it, to spend some time with him and try to encourage him and spend some time with his wife and try to encourage her. And he said to me this, he said, I want you to come and I want you to, I want you to see everything that they're, the, everything. And I, I, want you to, I want you to tell me everything that's happening that's wrong. And I said to him this, I said, that's not what you need. You don't need someone to come and tell you everything you're doing wrong. You need someone to come and encourage you. Sometimes we think if I can point out everybody's faults, then, then I'm the good guy. If I can just have a critical eye and tell everybody where they're wrong, then, then that, that's encouraging. No, that's sometimes negative, and it hurts people. I want you to write this down. Number two, another log, the second log that you can throw on this negativity fire. Second log is wrong expectations. Wrong expectations. Sometimes we look at a situation and our expectations for somebody is wrong. We want them to be what we want them to be, not what God wants them to be. Stories told of an old man whose grandson rode a donkey while they were traveling from one city to another. So picture this, an old man walking, got a nice donkey and his grandson's riding his donkey. 
And they're going from one city to the next city. And the man heard, as they were on their path, on their journey, on this roadway, the man heard some people say, would you look at that old man suffering on his feet? Well, that strong young boy who is totally capable should be walking. He heard it, and he got on the donkey, and he made the boy walk. They started on their journey. Then he heard a group of people say, would you look at that healthy man making that poor young boy suffer? Can you believe that? So the man and the boy both rode the donkey together. He came up upon a group of people. The old man heard the people say, would you look at those two heavy brutes making that poor donkey suffer? So they got off and they both walked. (laughs) Then they heard people say, what a waste of a perfectly good donkey. Finally, the the scene closes and, and, and and the boy and the old man are carrying this donkey. (laughs) And with some people, you'll never win. You'll never, you'll never be enough. Because when you do this, they want this. When you do this, they want that. When you do this, they want that. And the reason is, is it's, it's, it's your expectations. They're faulty. You're wanting something out of someone that's not possible. And it's not that that person's wrong. What scenario other than them carrying the donkey would you say is wrong? Yeah, that, that's two. But... We live our lives sometimes listening to this negativity. And sometimes people think they're offering good advice and all they're doing is they're offering, they're offering something to someone that can never be fixed. And that log is wrong, wrong expectation. I want you to write this down. Number three, the third log that you put on this fire of negativity is negative friends. If your friends aren't friends of faith, if they are friends of doubt, change your friends. Change your friends. Your friends ought to be breathing life into you and faith into you and encouragement into you and love into you. Every time you're around them, you you get an earful of, of what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with life, what's wrong with you, what's wrong with this, what's wrong with that. Listen to me, family is forever. Friends are optional. It's truth. And so because of that, choose good ones. Because sometimes your friends can cause you to be negative, cause you to see things Throw that. You ever, you ever talk to someone and, and boy, by the time that you're done talking, to them, they've got you all worked up. A godly friend works you down, calms you down, speaks faith into your life and love into your life. And their words are not destructive words, but their words fill you with peace. I want you to write this down. Number four, the log that you can throw onto this fire is the, re, the log of unresolved hurt. Unresolved hurt. Hear me, please. You have to resolve hurt in your life because if you don't, you will become negative. You have to. You have to. 
You, you, you can't hold on to hurt and never deal with it. That's exactly what happened in Numbers chapter number 12. The situation wasn't Moses was married to this Ethiopian. It was deeper than that. You, you have to see that if you don't deal with hurt, circumstances are going to come and circumstances are going to hurt you. You're going to be wounded. Friends are going to hurt you. Family is going to hurt you. Life is going to hurt you. And if you just think, I'm going to put that back, where, back in the past, I'm not going to deal with it. Eventually, it's going to come out. And where it's going to come out is in a different place. You find yourself, you find yourself kicking the dog. You're not mad at the dog. You've got unresolved hurt that you're not dealing with. And the reality is this, just like Miriam and Aaron, it's, it's something else. And you can't get to the bottom of it. It wells up inside of you, and it always comes out elsewhere. It causes you to have faulty expectations. Causes you to, to look at a situation through lenses that aren't reality. And, and if you're not careful, this, these unresolved hurt, you throw this log on the fire and you become critical. You become negative. Your view, your life, your story becomes a negative story and, and you don't see it, but it's hurting you. It's hurting you because there's unresolved hurt that has to be dealt with. And then the fifth log that you put on, is, stay with me on this one because I want to explain this to you, just, just bad time management with your life. If you have too much time on your hands and you've got unresolved hurt and a negative spirit, you'll begin to find other people's lives to try to figure out and work out some, some people are just a, a screen and a mouse away from becoming an internet troll. I, I've had this. I, little old me who, who lives in Cornfield, Monclova, I've had someone, some people, matter of fact, many people, will comment about me on social media. Can you believe that? I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, can you believe that? Has, has anybody ever said something about you? on social media. Am I, am I the only one, seriously? Wow. All right. All right. I had someone call me one time from Mexico. A missionary in Mexico said, um, hey, uh, you, you might want to look at so-and-so. They're talking about you. I said, well, I don't, I don't even follow so-and-so. He said, all right, well, I'll just copy and send it to you and see what they're saying. Sure enough. Sure enough. Right there. I thought, that's incredible. I'm the nicest guy you'll ever meet. <laughs> I posted a, I was so blessed. I, I, was, I was just so blessed. The, 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 the praise team was in here one, one Wednesday. And um, they were just singing. And I was so blessed. And I posted, I said, isn't this wonderful? And someone called me a liberal because of the music we sang. A liberal. I, 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 vote, I, I voted for Donald Trump. I'm far from a liberal.
Listen, going around searching for significance, leaving your who cares comments all over everything, you're just trying to get your voice heard and you're negative. And nobody cares. No one's blessed by that. Sometimes we don't, we're, we have too much time that we become negative in other people's lives. And listen, if you, if you have too little time on your hands, though, there's a problem as well. Maybe you go from, from you're late to this and you're late to that and you run from here, you run there, you're always running all the time. You, you, you just can't feel like you get a handle on your life and, and you're running all the time and, and you're looking for people to care and bear the weight that you have taken on too much yourself. You've done it to yourself. And then you're critical because nobody will help you. You express your frustrations and Listen, I believe this. Sometimes it's just better for us to do a lot less things and do it better than just a whole lot of things that causes us to get critical and negative. The reality is this. I want to love my wife. I want to love my children in this order. I want to love my family. I want to love our church. And, and, and I have to make good use of my time so that I don't get in a rat race of life or have too much time on my hands where I start to get negative about things that are going on that I have no control over, no say over. I throw that log on, it causes it to be, to be negative. Negativity. Would you write this down? Negativity ought to grieve you to know that God hears it. Listen, I I hope that you don't miss that. It ought to grieve you to know that God hears your negative spirit because it stinks. And so God hears your negativity. Therefore, you need to own it and understand and admit that it is a pattern of sinful thinking. You you hear that? Negativity is a pattern of sinful thinking. It's sinful. It's not just the way you are. It's not just the way my dad was or my mom was, or yeah, I get it honestly. It's sin. It's sin. And you got to own it. And you got to say, you know what? God hears this. I'm going to own it. I'm going to recognize that this is a pattern of sinful thinking. And then you need to recognize this, that God hates it. Turn turn back with me to to Numbers chapter 11, or Numbers chapter 12, I'm sorry. You need to recognize God hears it, and God hates negativity. Look with me in verse number 9 of chapter number 12. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he what? He departed God doesn't want to be around it. He doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to smell it. It's not something he enjoys from his children. And his anger of the Lord was kindled against them. He hates negativity. And so for all of you, how many of you are smart with, with math problems? My, my wife left me and, and um, I had to fend for my second grade homework. That's hard that's hard. 
It's been a long time since I've been in second grade. And there is this, all right, this is like the, you gotta, you gotta hear this, like read the story and then put it in your own equation. I'm like, this is second grade? Like this was 12th grade stuff back when I was in school. This is college level. I'm gonna give you a college level equation here. Okay? My negativity plus God's hearing it equals God's anger. My negativity plus God's hearing equals God's anger, not God's blessing. Two plus two is four, not five. Your negativity and God hearing it equals God's anger. Hebrews chapter number 10, just write this down. I'm already there and you can go back and study this through. In verse number 26, the Bible says this, for if we sin willingly after that which we have received the knowledge of truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for a judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversities. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. And listen to verse number 29. Oh, how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. You know what the verse is saying there? If God was so angry with them in the past, you know better. You're under the blood. You're under grace. You know what Christ did. You, you know what we deserve. And why would you act that way? There's no excuse. My, 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 uh, uh, and, 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 and I get it because it stunk in our house this morning and, and, and Jacob had that smell on his nostrils and, 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 and he was getting aggravated with one of the little kids and, and, he, and he was, I guess rightly so. I mean, I get it. He stunk, you know? And I just put my arm around him. I walked him into the kitchen this morning and I said, hey, bud, she's seven. You got a birthday coming this week, and you ain't seven. You know what I was saying? You know better. You know better. She, she's little. You, you know better. You know the truth. You don't behave that way because my negativity plus God's hearing equals God's anger. The spirit of grace is God giving you forgiveness because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And God has strong feelings about this. And please, please hear this this evening. I know we're tired and I'm not, not running around and doing backflips to keep your attention. I hope the truth of God's word grips your attention tonight. God has strong feelings about negativity. He has strong feelings about it. And as Christians, we should do, we should care about what God thinks. And then, and then lastly, uh, write this down in, in your heart. God judges our negativity. God judges it. God's not pleased with it. He judges it. And in, in, in Numbers, Numbers chapter number 12, back in verse number 10 again, look, look there with me. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. 
And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. God wasn't pleased. In chapter number 11, you know what he did with negativity? Consumed with fire. In chapter number 12, you know what he did with negativity? Made her leprous. He was displeased. His, his blessing wasn't upon them. His anger was. And what should we do? Number one, God hears it. Own it. Number two, God hates it. Stop it. Stop it. With Christ's help, stop. Number three, God judges it. So what? Repent of it. Negativity is a sin. You know what we need to do with it? Repent. God, I'm sorry. I, I, I've, got a, I've got a critical negative spirit, and I'm sorry. This is displeasing to you. You hate this. It's not a sweet-smelling uh, aroma incense that you deserve. It's something that it repulses you, and I'm sorry. Forgive me and change my heart. If you knew that God was displeased, would you stop? You should. And I'm through.